morning. <clears throat> How's everybody doing? Well, we have made it. The finish line is in sight. This year has almost come to a conclusion, right? How many of you have had an interesting year? Let's put it that way. We've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've had challenges, we've had times of great rejoicing, lack of sleep, you name it, right? We've had it all. And uh, we're just so excited that we get to uh, come together as a family of God, just to encourage one another, spend some time in his word, but also just to get ready as we launch and to see, to see what God has for us in the coming year. So before we get started, I'm just going to open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you that you are, that you care for us, that you have kept us this last year. You've been with us through the journey, and you go with us in the journey ahead. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit being alive and active, and that he will cause the scriptures to come alive. He will reveal the truth to us, that we can live in the things you would have us to be doing in the year 2024. We thank you for this, and we ask for this in your name. Amen. Well, welcome. Again, if... Uh, we're so glad each of you are here. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad uh, that you're tuning in, and we believe that God has a message for each and every one of us. Pastor Dave asked me a few weeks ago if I would what, uh, wrap up the series that we have been on, and uh, so I'm excited that I get to um, just share. And he goes, well, the only thing is you have two verses. So I was like, two verses? You know, if you know me, I do a lot of studying and everything, but I'm like, what am I going to do with two verses? Well, then I read the two verses, and I've been down a rabbit hole ever since. And uh, let's just say you should be thankful that I wasn't preaching the message about three days ago, because I had about tw 12 pages of my notes and about 20 other pages I had gathered of stuff. And so, uh, thankfully, the Lord condensed it, and I believe we'll get out of here before, say, five or six tonight. Anyway, no. So... That I've simply entitled this just a few final words. And when you get to the end of the book, you, uh, you start trying to wrap up, and there's a couple things that's going to be there. But how many of you have ever lost something? Something of value, something of importance. What did you do? <laughs> Panic, exactly. You started looking for places you hadn't been in your house. You've been, you go through your car. You go through briefcases, backpacks, suitcases that you haven't even used in five years. But you're looking for that item because you want to find it. You know, especially if it's an ID, social security card, passport, especially if you want to go out of the country. I mean, you start going, why? Because it's something of, of value, something that, is important to you. But what about people? How many of us over the last few years maybe have lost touch with people? Maybe even people that we used to fellowship with in, in church, that maybe they're not quite where they used to be. Maybe they've gotten caught back up in some worldly things. Maybe we have family members that have decided, I'm just not so sure I want to be about the things of God. Or maybe they have addictions, sins, things that they are just struggling in. How desperate are we reaching out to them? 
Or are we, have we become like so often in society of, if you don't do it my way, I want nothing to do with you at all. Oh, you voted that way? Well, I don't even want to talk to you. I'm deleting you on Facebook. I'm not following you on Instagram anymore. You're dead to me. But hasn't that sometimes how the church has acted? We've acted towards other people that didn't do it. Are we going searching for them, trying to restore them back? That's the, that's the starting place for where the, the verses we're going to read are. We're getting to the end of book of James, James 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. If any but one wanders from the truth. I liked how verse 19 was written in the message paraphrase. It says, my dear friends, if you know people who are wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. Are we as believers today going to put what we say we believe into action. We've been going through the book of James and it's been talking about what? Faith, about what we say, what we do. Do we have actions that demonstrate what we believe? Are we going to go after those that have wandered from the truth? Or are we just gonna let them go? They get whatever they deserve. That's how some people act. But do we have relationship with these people? Their family? They, are we going to help them during a time of struggle? Or are we just gonna let them wallow in the, the pig slop? Galatians 6 says this in verse one, it says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Are we so opposed to reaching out to people because we're afraid maybe that's a temptation we've, we're dealing with? Or maybe we don't know, want to, you know, maybe we've come from some things. But you know, it says, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. If they are too weak to hold their own hands up and ask God for help, are we interceding with them? Are we coming alongside to speak God's truth, a message of hope, a message of deliverance, a message that they are not forgotten? Romans 15 verse one says, we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Let's take less time in 2024 to tear everybody around us down and begin to be people that build upon the love and the foundation that Jesus himself has laid. Jesus' power is enough to free people from the chains and the bondages that they have welcomed in their life. And many times it's been a, a, just a simple mistake at one point, but it began down a journey that they just began adding more and more chains. You know, I, I love watching um, A Christmas Carol, 
Scrooge, whichever version you want to call it. But when you see Marley that comes back and he has all these chains and weights and it's all of the things that he didn't do right, but how many people walk through life with literally physical chains, emotional chains, that they don't feel they're even worthy to come to church anymore because of a mistake 20, 30, 40 years ago? And are we reaching out saying, we're here for you? You're loved. Jesus paid the price for you. Let's not let them carry that burden any longer by themselves. Speaking of a Christmas carol, Charles Dickens is quoted to have said, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. You want to be something? Help people take the weight off that they're carrying. Help them to lay it at the foot of the cross. Help them to find true freedom that comes from Jesus. First Thessalonians tells us this way. In verse, uh, chapter five, verses 14, it says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with them. Let us begin to walk in patience towards one another. Let's help them, let's help bear them up. They're gonna trip and fall again. Don't give up on them. See that no one renders evil to evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Let us be a person that, be, a church that is known for our love that we are united together for the cause of Christ. But in order to do that, we have to do two things. We have to pray for ourselves. We have to pray those, for those that are, that are caught in, that are distant, the ones that have fallen away, those that are caught in those sins. Hebrews 12 says that we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. It's not enough just to hear things. Let's pay attention to what we've been taught. Let's pay attention to what the word of God says, and then let's start doing it. Let's start allowing it to change our perspective. It's not about arguing points of right and wrong. It's about bringing the truth and the power of God to set people free. But in order to do that, we've got to look at ourselves. Jesus said, don't judge your brother if you're not willing to allow yourself to see what's in your life. Don't try and take a little speck that you think is a mountain when you've got a tree, a log that's growing out of your own. Ask God for clarity. Ask him to remove that thing that you're being blinded by so you can see with eyes of compassion and thanksgiving because God has set you free that you can see clearly to bring restoration to the sight of those around us. And let us ask for wisdom on how to reach those that have fallen into sin. James 1.5 says that if you lack wisdom, let, ask, let him ask of God who gives it all liberally without reproach and it'll be given to him. Ask for direction, ask for guidance, spend time in the word and begin interceding for them. Just a few verses before in James 5 there, it says, 
Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the others of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So often we are so arguing about things that don't matter that we're not caring that people are in mental and physical ailments because of the spiritual condition and the lies that the enemy is keeping them tangled up in. And we need to begin praying in faith and in our actions that we can see them healed from those things, delivered. But then verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another. Let's stop acting like we have not, that we're perfect. By the grace of God, I am saved, not of works, because I can't boast in what I've done. I lose my temper. I say things I shouldn't say. I've done things. What do I need to do? I gotta confess those to the Lord. But I gotta be real. I, I have doubts. I have fears. I have things I just don't know what to do with. I need other people to help me get there. Let's stop acting like we've got it all together and realize together we can go to the throne and find grace to help us in our time of need. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Then it goes on and says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But if we're not confessing, if we're not walking in truth, it's going to affect our prayer life. We've got to stop acting spiritual at the sake of casting others apart, away from us. When we need to just say, I'm there too. Let's go and find grace and find help. Are we willing to go and seek that lost wandering sheep? You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, it said for the, and this is verse 11, it says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? You know, we sing songs, we talk about, oh, Jesus left the 99. We say that about the lost. What about believers that have, have wandered and they feel alone, they feel like nobody cares, they, they're in mental anguish on the backside of the desert. Will we join with Jesus and go help find them and bring them back to the fold? He says, and if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God's desire is not to lose any of his children. His desire is not to lose any of the sheep. Let us make sure we're not allowing the sheep to be lost, that he has sent us to help bring them back to the fold. Will it be easy? No. Simple. It's gonna take work. It's gonna take prayer. It might take time. It may take years. We don't know. But will we be faithful? Do we believe that God is enough to bring freedom to those people? Let us not 
give up. If they are still alive, there's still time. If there's breath in their lungs, there's still time to get them into the kingdom, to get them restored back to fellowship with God. And it's going to take work. So often we want the, the microwave edition of deliverance in people's lives. Punch a few buttons, bing, it's done. But it's not. How many of you have walked perfectly since the day you came and you, nailed down, you kneeled and asked Jesus into your heart? You never sinned once? Anybody? Okay, thank you. If somebody's raised their hand, I'm gonna say, we gotta talk. No, all of us, we've tripped up, we've all stumbled, we've at times gone astray in some things, but God was gracious and merciful and brought us back. Amen, thank you. Second Thessalonians uh, Chapter three, verse 13 says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey your word in this epistle, note that that person does not, do not keep company with them that he may be ashamed. But he says, verse 15, yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Let's stop treating people that have walked away, that are struggling, maybe even some of those that are have not even sure they believe in God anymore. Let's admonish them. Let's speak truth back to them. And let the Lord work on their heart to draw them back in. Let's stop trying to cut people off. Galatians says it this way. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's do good to one another. You know, the response might not be what you're expecting. Sometimes it might be, oh, thank you. Other times it might be, shut up, I don't wanna hear this. Right? We've had that happen. But you know what? Sometimes they might be anger. There, there might be resistance. But James 1 says it this way in verse 19. So then, my brethren, beloved brethren, brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to to wrath. Let us not be quick in our responses. Let us not get an attitude back if they put an attitude towards us. Let's be slow. Listen to their hearts cry. Find out why they're in the pain. Why? Because it says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we lose it because people aren't responding, we can do, drive a further wedge between them and what God's trying to do in their life. Sometimes we may just need to be quiet and listen. Some of the best counseling sessions I've had was just sitting there and letting people talk and all of a sudden they said, well, that's not even really where I'm at. This is what's really bothering me. Exactly. They even, the Lord revealed what they needed 
even before we got to it because they just kept talking and I just kept listening. But more importantly than that, we're not speaking for ourselves. When we go to reach somebody, we're not just speaking for ourselves, we're being an ambassador for God. We're being his literal person that's there to speak his truth to them in love. I can't just go say what I want willy-nilly. Ephesians 4 tells us this way, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is, is good for necessary edification that it might impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. If we're saying we're a child of God, we're going to reach somebody that's fallen away, we can't go in with attitudes, with anger, with malice, with bitterness. No, that needs to get put away from us. Verse 32 says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Don't forget what you've been redeemed from. Where we were all headed without the grace of Christ. We were all destined for an eternity far from where we're headed. But by grace. Let's not forget that. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, it says, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're not given a ministry of judgment. We're not given the ministry of condemnation. No, we're given us the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing someone back, breaking broken bonds, loosing chains so that people can walk in freedom. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're speaking on behalf of the Most High God. That's why it's important that we walk in love, that we have that same spirit. When Christ was crucified, he looked at the ones that just got done driving the nails and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do we have that same care for those that are around us? That we speak forgiveness instead of judgment. Do we realize we were that one that was once lost and have now been found? Christine Kane says it this way, God uses rescued people 
to rescue people. We were once drowning in our own sin, yet God sent someone to rescue us, to get us into the family of God, to cover the needs of our sins. But how often do we hold people's sins against them? We don't cover it, we keep exposing it. Or we, we have things that we share of people and we hold their sins against them. First Peter 4.8 says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each has a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let us speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. What is, are we speaking those oracles of God? Are we ministering to one another? through the power of God. Now, there's a few things I'm just gonna quickly throw out from the Old Testament. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. In verse 12 it says, but love covers all sins. Psalms 32, one says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Hosea 14, four says, I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from him. I will preach right there. I'll say it again. I will heal their backsliding and I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from him. People might be backslidden, but they're not forgotten by God. They're still loved. Jesus still died for them. Psalms 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, we sing a song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it, it's interesting, as I was reading this verse, all of a sudden I realized, wait, this is that, the verse is out of Lamentations, and it says, um, Lamentations 3, 20, verse 21, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail night. Fail not, excuse me. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait upon him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He wants to show salvation. He wants to show freedom. He wants to show healing. He wants to show deliverance to those that are captive and bound. But you know, we have to go back that even a scripture we often use when we're talking about praying for people, uh, for healing, is also talking about the deliverance of what has come upon, because of what Christ did. In Isaiah 53, verse five, it says, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep 
have gone astray. All of us were like that one sheep that left. Maybe even as believers, we have been that sheep that at times has wandered away. And it says, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he put him to grief. Yet when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11 says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. None of us were justified in ourselves. It's all been done because of what Christ did. He laid down his life for us. Well, we laid down our life to reach those that have wandered, other brethren, our sisters that have walked away, but we reach out, love them. 1 John 3, verse 18 says, my children, let us not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I grew up as a preacher's kid. So I, I empathize with a few of the people in this church that uh, grew up that same way. But you know, one of the things that was interesting is being a PK, sometimes you got things given to you, and somebody subscribed me to a newsletter one time that I was so thanked the Lord they did. It was the last day's newsletter. Anybody remember that? A few of you? Okay, I got a couple of you. How many of you have ever heard of Keith Green? Okay, that helps. Last day's newsletter was a, actually a newsletter that Keith Green's ministry put out. And they would have different messages that either Keith or Melody or people along with, from the last day's ministries would write. But they also had people like Winky Prattney, they had uh, Leonard Ravenhill and other revivalists that were talking about people getting back right with the Lord. But they also had, would take things like messages from General William Booth of the Salvation Army. And uh, William Booth had a vision that he was talking about of the, this, and he, there was a painting. Did that get in the slides by chance? Is it that picture? Yeah, there it is. This was a painting that was done based upon the vision that General Booth had had. And in this vision, he saw people that had, that there was this rock and people had, uh, there were people that were, that were safe, that were on the rock, and there were others that were lost at sea. And that there were people, all at one point, everybody had been lost in this sea. But as they got out, some got so busy in things, they forgot that others were still lost. And that, but there were others that were going out in lifeboats, others that were throwing life rings, that they were actively trying to reach and pull people out but others were just caught up in the day-to-day -day things. And I wonder sometimes, not necessarily that we don't care, but we get so busy and we get so caught up in just what means something to us, and we talk about us finding and being blessed and all these things, nothing wrong with being blessed by God, but we get so satisfied that we forget that there are other people that still need to be rescued. There are people that were once on the dock that have fallen back in the sea. Are we helping to restore them back? 
Keith Green wrote a song called Asleep in the Light based upon this sermon. And the first stanza says, do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, don't you care? Are you gonna let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done. And at the end of that song, he closes, don't close your eyes and pretend the job's done. Will we open our eyes to those around us that are still in the sea? Will we reach to those? Will we be active in seeing? Or will we be like the older brother of the, the son that had left, squandered his inheritance, the prodigal that ran off to the, the world, and the older brother, once he came back and the father showed him grace, showed him mercy, the older brother was outside saying, why are you doing all this? Do you not know what he has been up to? Do you know what he did to your name? Do you not? And he refused to go in and rejoice with the one that came back. Let's not be the older brother in the church. Let us be like the father, looking, waiting, longing to see one. I, I, you know, the scripture never says where the father was when he saw the son afar off. I believe he was out looking for his son. I don't believe he's sitting in the front porch going, I hope he comes back someday. I think he had, he was out looking, longing, hoping to see his son. And when he saw him, he ran and greeted him to restore him. So my question is, am I gonna be the one that throws the lifeline or am I gonna be one that throws an anchor to the person and not let them come? Will we be, who, who are we going to be? Let's not become known as being one that's offended and angered, but that we be the one that joins in the celebration when we see the chains fall off the eyes open up and that wayward son or daughter comes back with a love for the father. James 5, go back to that where we started. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Lord, we are grateful that you sent people to come and to bring us the message of truth. But Lord, we want to be the one that you send to bring message of hope, a message of deliverance, a message of restoration. Lord, forgive us when we've become weary in doing what is good. But Lord, let us get back into the mission that you have called us to. Help us to open our eyes to the need of reconciliation for those around us. Lord, place on our hearts the people you would have us to reach out to. 
the people that we need to call, the people we need to text, the people we need to go have coffee with, just to express your love to them and let them know they are not forgotten. Lord, open our eyes to those around us. Open our hearts to be sensitive to what you see in those. May we be broken for what breaks you, but may we also be able to walk in love because you have first loved us. Thank you as we finish this year that you've been with us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you give us a, a new day tomorrow, that your mercies are truly new every morning. Thank you for being faithful, even on times when we have been unfaithful. But Lord, we also are grateful that your word does not return void, but will go forth and accomplish what you have set it forth to do. We give you thanks and praise in your name.